It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets, wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, Himalaya. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. For today's show, I'm going to be doing Tomas Nito's report card for his 2019 season. Now, I'm going to talk about his production in the first half and give him his grade. Then in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk about Nito's place on the Mets moving forward and some of the Mets prospects who could be impacting the catcher position in the future. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsMarizeOnline.com. I actually wrote a report card on Tomas Nito last week. So if you want to circle back and see some of that, again, go to MetsMarizeOnline.com. And when I was doing... That report carded originally for Mesmerized. I came in with some preconceived notions. I was just based on the eye test, what I saw, I was going to give him a pretty fair grade because my kind of hypothesis going into the whole process was a backup catcher does not matter as much offensively. In 2019, backup catchers are more graded out based on can they handle a pitching staff and be a big plus defensively. And Nito has done that. And so much so that you have pitchers like Noah Syndergaard more publicly and also Jacob deGrom who spoke about wanting to pitch to Nito. And so you look at the statistics and they back it up. Nito is a very good defensive catcher. Nito caught over 300 innings this year and he was worth one defensive run saved. You compare that to Wilson Ramos who was worth minus 13 defensive runs saved, and you can see that the position really dropped off significantly having Ramos behind the plate as opposed to Nito. So that does back up Syndergaard and some of those other guys wanting to throw to Nito. But the bigger thing when it comes to comparing Nito to Ramos is their pitch framing. Fangrass has a stats called catcher framing runs above average, abbreviated as FRM, which basically gives you a statistic that tells you how good a catcher is at framing pitches. And Tomas Nito's FRM was 2.4. You compare that to Ramos, whose was minus 7.6, and you understand that when you have Nito behind the plate, you are going to get a much better strike zone. So that part of the game for Nito comes easily. He is a good defensive catcher. And that's why I was originally going to give this guy a pretty solid grade because I thought, you know what, about an average hitter, great defensive player. As a backup catcher, he's doing what you want him to do. But then I started to look at the numbers. And 
I was wrong because Nito is flatly a bad hitter. One of the worst hitters in baseball, in fact. Fangrass has their stat, weighted runs created plus. I've talked about it before. It's a stat that tries to basically measure the overall offensive production of a hitter and compare it to the league average, with the league average being 100. Well, Nito's weighted runs created plus was the worst mark on the Mets for players who got at least 100 plate appearances. Not very good. The people who did have a worse weighted runs created plus, it's guys like Ruben Tejada and... Um, who's that outfielder's name is escaping me? Aaron Altair. Like Those are the guys who were worse. Guys who were just striking out every time they came up to the plate. And if you look at Nito's weighted runs created plus, which was 40, so 60 points less than league average, he was actually the 17th worst hitter in all of baseball. For people who have gotten at least 100 at-bats. That's terrible. I mean, you're basically going into a game with two pitcher spots when you have Tomas Nito behind the plate. And so you look at the counting stats, and he had one good month in June where he hit 275 with a 310 on base percentage and a 350 slugging percentage. He collected 11 hits and 40 at-bats, but... There was only one hit out of all those that were for extra bases when he hit a home run. Other than that, they were all singles. For his season as a whole, Nito played 50 games. He had 144 plate appearances. He hit four home runs, had 14 RBIs, walked seven times, had 37 strikeouts. He hit below the Mendoza line with a 191 batting average. His on-base percentage was 231. And his slung percentage was 316, combining for a paltry 547 OPS. Coming into this season, they were saying that Nito was the quote-unquote backup catcher of the future. Someone that was going to man that position on a rookie-level contract for years to come, providing good defense and being that second guy, good for the pitching staff, all that stuff. But if he produces like this offensively, I have some strong concerns as to whether he can stay on this team long term. So I give him a D-plus grade for his season because the defense pushes his F-hitting grade up a little bit. But overall, not a good year. And when we come back in just a minute, I'm going to talk about Tomas Nito's future with the Mets and get into some other guys who might be able to take his role Moving forward. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. All right, Mets fans, let's continue this discussion on Tomas Nito. The bat needs to improve. This is a guy who is under team control through 2024. So if he can figure out how to hit, you would figure that he could be the Mets backup catcher for the next five seasons on a reasonable contract. The problem is you can't just throw away 
150 at-bats a year. He just can't do it. And so if he does not hit early on next season, because I really do believe that the Mets might just run this catching situation back next year, if he doesn't hit, he is a real candidate to be DFA'd and for the Mets to just move on from him. Because at a certain point, if you can't hang at this level, there's not much more that the Mets can do for him, especially when there's a couple guys who are getting close to the big leagues in their farm system. The two main guys I'm talking about here is Ali Sanchez and Patrick Mazika. Like Nito, Sanchez is the defensive-minded catcher. He's going to be 23 next year. He finished the season up in AAA. He did not hit well in AAA, but in AA, he had a pretty solid season, hitting 278 with a 337 on-base percentage and a 337 slugging percentage in 71 games. The bottom line for a hitter like Sanchez or like Nito is while you might not hit with power, while you might not score a bunch of runs or have a bunch of RBIs, really the value that these guys can almost bring, and it sounds kind of ridiculous when I put it out there, but I want you to kind of bear with me for a second, is just being able to get that base hit that clears the pitcher spot. That's almost all you need a defensive backup catcher to do. To be in that eight hole, and if you can at least one out of every four times lace a base hit, clear the pitcher spot, all of a sudden that could change a game as simple as it seems. If in the bottom of the fourth inning there's two outs and Tomas Nito comes out to the plate, he gets a base hit, that clears Marcus Stroman's spot in the order. The next inning, when the Mets maybe have Jeff McNeil in scoring position and Pete Alonso strikes out, all of a sudden, maybe you get an extra at-bat for Michael Conforto to come up with that runner in scoring position and you drive that run in. So little things like that make a whole world of a difference. So, yes, Tomas Nito is never going to be a guy who's going to hit 20 home runs, and drive in 60 runs in a season. But if he can turn into what he was in the minor leagues, which was a hitter that could hover around 270 in a good season, then all of a sudden it doesn't really matter how much he's driving the baseball or what his stats are. You just need a competent bat in the lineup, and if he can't do it, maybe Sanchez can. Now the other player to look at is Mazika. Now he finished the year in double-A, He has spent the last two full seasons in double-A without earning a promotion to triple-A. You look at his stats, he hit 245 with a 312 on base percentage and a 426 slugging percentage, but he had a career high with 16 home runs and 69 RBIs. So maybe he is finding a way to get some power in his swing, and if you have a catcher who can run into a home run, that is a big boost when we're talking about backup catchers. Rene Rivera was great for the Mets a couple years ago because he was a good defensive catcher, held the running game in check, but every once in a while he was running into home runs and giving you a little bit of a pop offensively. So these are things you have to consider, and maybe Mazika can be that guy. Now he is 26 years old, so he's a little bit older. We'll see if he gets that chance to play at the AAA level next year and how he handles that if he can maybe be the guy as the backup catcher moving forward. 
Now, all of these players are kind of stopgaps to the one guy I want to talk about at the end of this podcast here. And that's Francisco Alvarez. Because this is someone who has the potential to be the real catcher of the future. He is 17 years old. The Mets signed him when he was a number 9 international prospect back in 2018. He signed for $2.9 million. And he is someone who had a nice first season and has a lot of potential to be a really good catcher for the Mets. This year he started in the Gulf Coast League for the GCL Mets. He played seven games, had two home runs, 10 RBIs, hit 462 with a 548 on base percentage and an 846 slugging percentage before going to play for the Kingsport Mets of the Appalachian League, where he played 35 games. He had five home runs, 16 RBIs, batted 282 with a 377 on base percentage and a 443 slugging percentage. So that's the one guy to watch in this system who can make a real impact at the catcher's position. The one thing we don't know at this point is how long it's going to take him to progress. As I said, he's 17. He turns 18 in November. Not sure if he'll make it all the way up to Port St. Lucie next year. That's when you really start to pay attention to where his development goes. But that's someone to keep an eye on for the future where most of the other catchers in this system don't inspire a ton of confidence in being able to be a legitimate starting catcher in this league. So with all of that being said, where do the Mets go next season? I still believe it starts off with Ramos and Nito, not that it necessarily should. If you could combine the two players, it would be the perfect catching situation for the Mets. Because Wilson Ramos was a great hitter. I'd even argue he put together one of the best offensive seasons since Mike Piazza for the Mets. He was that good. But defensively, he was horrible, which makes it hard to have faith in his ability next year to come in a year older and not be even worse. Nito is one of the worst hitters in the league, even though he is a pretty solid defensive catcher. So, to me, I look at the problems the Mets had this year, and I really do believe that the catching situation between those two guys was maybe a top three problem on this team behind the bullpen, which is the clear number one, and just the overall defense, which Ramos played into. Now, if they had, say, Yasmani Grandal, who's a good two-way catcher, instead of Ramos, I really do think that he would have made the difference because you can't overstate the value of pitch framing and some things like that. And I believe the Mets would have made the playoffs if you swapped those two players out. So on tomorrow's show, I'm going to talk about Wilson Ramos, get into his season a little bit, do the report card grade for him, and then talk about different options the Mets could have to move on from Ramos and try to shore up this catching position in 2020. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.